the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We can definitely talk stock markets. We can talk economy. We could talk how much money do you have and, and where are you in your financial plan and do you have any questions? Um, is there anything that you want a second opinion on? A um, couple things to think about couple things to think about. Uh, the stock market, first and foremost. Let's stick with that a little bit. Things feeling a, a bit strange out there right now. You had the Federal Reserve come out and say, you know, here's our minutes. Minutes being notes from the last time that they met. And it looks like the Fed has, is poised to raise rates in December and then do a very gradual path thereafter. And not much else. So the Fed wasn't going to raise rates before the end of the year. Uh, was always the thought. Now it's the end of the year, early next year. Um, and again, the fact that they're f- continuing to focus on gradual, gradual. Uh, in the past, the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates, and a month later they'd raise interest rates, and a month later they'd raise interest rates. And that was a shock. Now they're kind of saying, you know, maybe we get two or three in a year instead of ten. So we'll see. I mean, it's, nothing's you know guaranteed, right? So the Fed raising interest rates in December and subsequent data in the first quarter, you know, will show us you know economic activity is it slowing? Is it growing? Uh, but it's definitively one of the big stories of 2016: the Federal Reserve and interest rates. So if the Federal Reserve raises interest rates in December and then the economic activity looks hot in January, February, March then they'll be, you know, pressure to raise them again. If it looks cold, then people will say, I should never have done it in the first place. So there's a couple risks out there. United Health Group issued an earnings warning for 2015 due to its exposure to public exchanges. So Obamacare is not quite working the way some healthcare companies want it to, and it's working great for some other companies. Uh, Best Buy issued a disappointing fourth quarter outlook. 
Japan reported its first decline in exports in more than a year. Square priced its IPO at 9. Ticker symbol is SQ. It's uh, looking to open around 11.50. Salesforce.com reported better than expected results and said, you know, the next 15 months were good. Pfizer's trying to quickly acquire Allergen before the United States government and the Treasury Department can change rules for inversions. That's pretty interesting. Will they pull it off? The initial jobless claims report came out and no major surprises. Again, the number's under 300,000, and that's great. First time unemployment jobless claims come out every Thursday of the month. Continuing claims uh, dipped by 2,000 to 2.1 million people. Continuing claims is you've been unemployed for a long time because your initial unemployment claims expire, and then you want more money um, for being still unemployed after those initial claims expired. So we're starting to get towards the holiday seasons, right? And uh, one of the things to note about that is that economic data is going to be a little bit lumpy because when people are unemployed, say, on Thanksgiving, maybe they'll just hang out with their families that weekend and not go and report numbers. Oil prices aren't looking so great. Yesterday, oil broke $40 a barrel. uh, The Saudis are are stockpiling oil at this point in time. Like, there's a lot of it out there. And, you know, there's that argument about peak oil. When is it? What will it look like? What will happen? Saudi has said that they've come up with some fracking techniques that, you know, they believe that maybe they have 10 times the reserves underneath the ground than they thought. So oil's going to be low for a long period of time. And... You can't expect Exxon or Chevron to bounce back immediately. They'll have nice plays because they're not stupid companies. They're not going to, you know, go, well, let's just, you know, take showers in the oil. If it's not going to be $100 a barrel, we might as well shower in it. Uh, That's not going to happen. So they'll have some sort of feel of capitalism tied towards them. But what's an interesting note is airlines, companies like Southwest, are going to benefit from lower oil longer. So in my opinion, consult a broker advisor for any stocks mentioned on there. Um, of course, right? So some people think oil is going to get about $26 a barrel before it puts it on bottom at that point in time. Um, internet dating, Match.com is coming public today as well. Um, the CEO gave just a disastrous interview yesterday. Um, you're not supposed to talk, you know, in a quiet period before your company comes public. And for some reason, he decided to talk. Sean Rad. He comes across as pretty much an idiot. Um, in it, he talks about you know bragging that he had sex with Alexa Dell, which is Michael Dell's daughter, who's considered one of the rich kids of Instagram kind of thing, constantly updating her pages, uh, showing how lavish and wonderful the life is. He didn't know what the word sodomy meant. Um, got that one incorrect. He said the number of users worldwide was incorrect. Um, so the article wasn't approved by the company, and it just it makes you question. They're coming public today, and he's the CEO. Um, you know, no pre- no bad press is good press. No bad press is just you look like an idiot. And some people will think, you know, if this guy's bragging that he's slept with twenty women. Um, and one of them is a super famous person, maybe you don't want to put your money with that company. 
Uh, but then again, you know, Tinder's got this incredible momentum. Keep in mind, it isn't the first time that a CEO has come out and said something in an interview that they shouldn't have. Sergey Brin and Larry Page did the same thing back in 2004, right before Google's IPO. Um, they came public and, you know, they gave a an interview to Playboy magazine and you know, that had to be rushed into an S filing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So Square's coming public today. And one of the big problems with Square in at these price levels, it's, it's it looks very attractive. Um, it priced $9. It's probably going to open at 11 11 It needs to stay above 9 But it's a mobile payments company. One of the problems with it is is that they really haven't gotten any traction and they're losing a lot of money. So they had a relationship with with Starbucks, and Starbucks ended it, and that's that hurts. So, um, you know, the way Square was valued as a private company, you thought it would disrupt everything and change payments. And the reality is that's not happening. Uh, I know many people who use it and many people who endorse it, but it's not exactly, you know, catching on aggressively. Um, the company started away for small businesses to accept credit card payments through mobile devices. It's evolved into a suite of small business services. It does have a partnership with companies like Apple and Visa. So the valuation cut triggers a ratchet or protections investors wrote into previous funding rounds. Some uh, investors, you know, just a few months back, paid about $15 a share for the company when it was still private. Now it's, you know, again, 9 to $11. So they're competing with Visa, American Express, and PayPal, and more and more with Apple and Google. So those are pretty formidable competitors. Um, so there's a deterioration of momentum. It looked like a pretty hot, sexy, disruptive technology. Now it looks like, whoa, there's a lot of competition in this space. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800 1220 to get your calls on the air. Starboard has asked Yahoo not to spin off its Alibaba stake. What? Weren't you the company saying that you wanted them to spin it off last year? Fueling some investor concerns, the IRS decision not to rule on whether to spin off would ring up billions of dollars of taxes. Yahoo withdrew its request for a ruling in September, but said it would proceed with a spinoff. The spinoff is expected to be completed in January. It feels as if Marissa Meyer's time at Yahoo is ticking. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Host of Focus on Wealth, heard every day here, Monday through Fridays at noon on this very station. 
Let's talk about the six success factors for retirement. These are success factors. Like these are things that have to go your way in order to make your retirement go smoothly. And it's all financially oriented. One of the first success factors is a flexible retirement date. Now, I know some people, Chad, and I have a friend who her dad just recently was like 55, 56, 57, lost his job. And he's taken out employment, and basically that's his retirement date. He doesn't want to go back to work. Uh, it's the give-up retirement. It's the give-up retirement. Yeah, it and happens a lot. And I'm like, he has to be more flexible. I looked at his finances. He doesn't have enough. You know, here's what happens. A lot of people that retire based on an age rather than a portfolio value or the give-up type of retirement, So a lot of times it comes from depression. So the give-up retirement is like, oh, I lost my job. I'm 50-something. And it's yeah. really a depression issue. Like they feel it's a worth okay. issue that they can't get past. And maybe that's some counseling and whatever it may be to get past that. Those that retire with an age in mind, regardless of how many, how much they have in assets to support the retirement, typically it's because they've had a horrible work-life balance. Most people hate their job that don't have a work-life balance. Okay. If you have a work-life balance, you can get your day, you know, go through your day and use it as a way to fund the balance part of your life, the things that you enjoy. Okay. And those same people that retire with that date in mind rather than a portfolio value since they didn't have any balance, they also don't have anything to do in retirement. So not only do they not have enough assets, but they're bored. Okay, that's pretty bad because then they're staying at home watching Oprah. Right, and that's what happens, and, they, and that is enjoyable to them for the first year because they couldn't stand their job. They hated the person next to them that they worked with or the group that they worked for or it was a toxic environment, whatever it may be, and they're fine for a year doing nothing, and they get bored. But then they also realize they don't have enough money to go travel and do the things that you're supposed to be doing in retirement. The best retirement, the happiest clients that I have yeah. are the ones that say, I don't know how I had time to work. I'm so busy now. For me personally, and I, I don't want to make it all about me, but I'm starting to think, you know, when do I want to take my foot off the gas? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm trying now to do things like volunteer work so that later when I do retire, I won't be kind of like a fish out of water. Right. My, my retirement is going to be probably re- uh, charity work as well as um, – you know, maybe college classes mm-hmm. because, you know, so now I, I need to take a college class soon, kind of get that feel. Do I still like doing this yep. as much as I used to 20 years ago? Uh, but that's my retirement plan. I don't really want to see the Sphinx. It's just a big rock in the desert. No interest. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, and I've, I'm considering putting off my retirement, ideal retirement age and asset goal um, so I can afford to heliski once a year. I mean, I went and, you know, as you know, I got married out of helicopter on a heliski trip. It's an expensive deal. It's a bucket list type of, of an event. So, but it's so much fun to me that I would rather put off my retirement 10 years in order to be able to heliski every year for the next 10 years. How pricey is it? If you're talking for a, the Canadian trip that we went on. It's usually like six grand a person for a bad. five to seven day trip. That's not terrible. Yeah, but you're talking about two people. They're budgeting $1,000 a month. For for could, fun, you could afford. If you it. put a thousand dollars a month into a four hundred one k, you know how wealthy you're going to be after ten years. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But you could. Get, but you, I, I'm 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 willing. Yeah. I love my job. I love the people I work with. You don't cut retirement savings, do you? No. Okay. No, it's just a matter of I know I could retire earlier. But so let's talk, I enjoy the work. I I'd rather do adventure while my knees and hips can take it. So let's explain this idea of putting off retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, one of the reasons you want to do it. You know, if you can put off until 70, you get more Social Security. Um, but should you put off retirement, for instance, if your health is not good? Um, it depends. It's, so it's if you're a single person yeah. and your health's not good, 
then probably not. No, I mean, you've got to realize. But at the same time, you could get five years into it and realize that your health's better than you thought or there's some sort of a medical advance. There's always that risk if you if you make that decision. But let's say you're uh, an, an older guy, right, right. and – you could work another couple of years and maximize your Social Security, um, but you choose not to because you're not well, you're not healthy enough. But your spouse is healthy, so maybe you should continue to work, max out your Social Security so that when you pass away, she has a larger 401K and a larger Social Security check. Um, so it really depends on the situation and what's important to you and what the other spouse is willing to do if, if you're not healthy. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring it up because I'm starting to get to the point where I've worked really, really, really hard, and I do like the idea of, you know, getting out earlier before later, because I don't think I'm going to live a really long life. I've worked really hard. I don't sleep well. I've been, yeah. you know, slightly overweight a lot. So <laughs> when I go, I'm going to go pretty fast. There's the skinny Rob and the chubby Rob? Skinny Rob was 20 years old. <laughs> he hasn't been skinny for many, many years. I, could, I refer to myself as puffy. So I'm not exactly fat. Because you like pie charts so much. I do like pie charts. My favorite pie chart is how much pie I've eaten. With that said, it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The Fed says the economy could well handle a rate hike in December. It's going to try to withstand the Fed's first interest rate hike. The stock market will in nearly a decade, according to the minutes that were released from the October 27-28 meeting. So it looks like they're, they're trying to set us up for December. The minutes really convey that they seem intent on going in December and being very slow thereafter. One analyst sees oil going to $26 a barrel. That would be very, very bad for the world uh, economies. But that's okay. I'm good with that. Um, There's pluses, minuses, pros, and cons. Uh, You're seeing just an enormous amount of uh, buildup of oil in Saudi Arabia. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on there. Best Buy reported softer sales, cautions ahead of the holiday quarter. Best Buy has eked out stronger profits lately amidst cost cuts and rebounding revenue. Uh, The company basically said earnings of about $125 million. Um, Third quarter sales slipped about 2.4%. Revenue down is never a good thing. It's, you know, when you're seeing deflating revenue, it's not a good thing. Uh, Target disappointed investors with a slower rate of same-source sales growth. Macy's and Nordstrom posted sharp sales declines, cut guidance. Home Depot and Lowe, they were fine. TGX, the you know um, off-price retailer, the king of off-price, is doing very, very well. I like TGX. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. Coming up, going to talk a little technology and investing. Sinking feeling of being alone. And it's the way it makes you screech and pulls the skin off your bones. And I can't help but think as I pick my mouth off the floor. Oh, you still know me in a year. Yes, I Sinking feeling of being alone. And it's the way it makes you screech and pulls the skin off your bones.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor, thestreet.com. Chris, how are you? Good, Rob. How's it going today? It's going well. It's uh, getting closer to the holidays, and it kind of feels that way. Um, Square, IPO came public. This is a company that looked really, really fascinating about a year ago. You know, the little dongle, you put it in your iPhone, you swipe it. Maybe uh, my personal experience was my hairdresser was the first person to show it to me. My hairdresser, the person who cuts my hair is probably a better way of saying that. Um, and it was pretty cool. Uh, she got paid faster. It's a little bit of a disruptor. Uh, a year later, not that exciting to me. What happened or, or where are we at with uh, Square? I think a lot of what we've seen, you know, in terms of, as it relates to Square and and the value of the company, is a broader is a broader issue. Uh, you know, tech investors or investors in general are not terribly happy with Silicon the companies that are coming out of Silicon Valley. You know, public market investors are saying, "Hey, wait a minute, some of these companies, you know, they might be great ideas, but they're not actually great businesses." And we've kind of seen that with you know companies like Box. Um, GoPro, which has crashed, you know, nearly 70% this year. Even Twitter, which is run by uh, Jack Dorsey, who also runs Square. So, you know, they're 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 being a little they're being really hard on these companies as they come public. Um, and Square, you know, went public at a price that, you know, many people didn't think it would reach that le- that low of a level. But so far, public market investors seem to be winning out because they priced it so low that uh, it had nowhere to go but up. So why did they lower the price so much? Um, is it just so that they ultimately look like winners when the end of the day shows they're up 20% uh, versus, you know, flat on their IPO debut? Yeah, this is a classic case of Wall Street wanting to, to make some quick, easy money. So they they priced uh, the IPO at $9, which hurts some, you know, earlier investors in Square, and they wound up taking one for the team on this one. Um but now you see the stock up like around $13 or so, you know, where it's currently trading. So, you know, the people who were able to get in at that $9 a share price, you know, made some fast, easy money for, you know, really not doing a whole heck of a lot of work. Um, so really this is all just a case of Wall Street making some easy money. Gotcha. Future of Square, it seems like they've got a lot of competition with Google Payments and Apple Payments and Visa doesn't, you know, certainly want to roll over and die. Um, is there is there space for Square? Have they carved off enough niche in the small business market to survive? Yeah, a lot of money. I think I think Square, you know, definitely has, um, you know, its its niche. You know, they're not really competing with you know things like Apple Pay, um, Google Pay, and you know, even Visa is not really that big that big of a competitor. Visa is actually an investor in Square. Um, they're competing more with, you know, companies like Verifone or First um, First Data Corp, you know, the payment processors. And they're, they also have a business, Square Capital, which it lends money to small businesses. So you could sort of think of them almost like a, as a, a financial services company, um, more so than like just a payments company. But, yeah, there, there's plenty of room for Square to, to continue to operate. You know, they said that they only have about – 15% of the small businesses that they could potentially have. So there's a lot of legroom for there as long as they continue to, to effectively sell the company. 
Anything else that we need to know about the Square IPO today? No, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if Jack Dorsey, who's the, the CEO of Square, eventually does wind up at one company or the other, whether it's Twitter or Square. That's been a concern for both companies. And, you know, if Square, you know, or Twitter underperform, you know, on a quarterly basis, you know, a couple times, uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Dorsey to pick one or the other, and it'll be interesting to see which one he picks. Moving onward in your world of technology, I'm speaking with Christopher Chris Siaccia, tech editor for thestreet.com. Um, Starboard now doing kind of an about-face with Yahoo and saying, keep the Alibaba assets, sell the Yahoo assets. What's going to happen to poor Marissa Mayer? There, you know, I, I almost feel bad for her at this point. Um, I mean, I've been critical on her, uh, of her. You know, a lot of other people have been critical of, of Marissa and Yahoo in the past. It seems like Yahoo is, you know, this this once great Internet company that time has just simply passed its by. It's a media company. It's not a technology company. You know, they can't compete effectively in search. Google dominates that space. They're too reliant on desktop um, when it comes to their advertising revenue. Desktop is clearly not growing. You know, they don't have a real big presence in mobile. They, they love to talk about their mobile presence, but it's minuscule. It's peanuts compared to a company like a Facebook or uh, or a Google uh, in terms of mobile revenue. So, you know, for for Starboard to, to do this about face and say sell the core assets and, and keep, um, you know, the Alibaba stake because it's too much of a risk in terms of taxes, you know, again, this is a typical Wall Street, okay, what's good for me is great, but what's good for you I don't really care about. Um, so it just seems like it's a, a catch-22 situation for Marissa, and it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. It seems like there's going to be a massive reorg no matter what because executives are fleeing the company, and uh, there's pressure because there's been you know no revenue growth for three years, and you know the time is ticking per se. Uh, this, it, would this company do you think be better as a private company versus a public company where it takes away that pressure? I think that's one thing that's definitely had been considered in the past, but there are a lot of shareholders who don't want private equity to just swoop in and steal this thing and then restructure it and then reap all the all the benefits. So that's, that's been a constant ongoing battle between public investors and private equity. But, you know, from a company perspective, you're right, it probably would be, do, would be better off to do this in the private eyes where it's not, you know, constantly judged on a 90-day basis and it can, you know, let go, you know, however many thousands of people it needs to and kind of invest in the business without having to worry about, okay, am I spending too much this quarter or not enough or, you know, whatever Wall Street's going to worry about this quarter. So, yeah, I mean, there's been that's all, but it's a constant battle back and forth and who knows when, when or if that ends. Chris, what else are you seeing in the world of technology that's important right now? I, I think this Square IPO is an interesting uh, study as to as it relates to, to Silicon Valley and you know some of these you know big private companies like Uber or Pinterest or Snapchat or Lyft um, and as it relates to their futures you know potentially as a publicly traded company. There's a lot riding on this Square IPO um, and it had to do well and so far it is. And I think that that's going to give public market investors some confidence that, you know, maybe not all these tech companies that are private 
are uh, are are worthless or, or worth a lot less than what people originally thought. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, into 2016 as some of these companies start to come public. Obviously, Uber and Lyft should probably be coming public maybe in 2016, 2017. Any other companies that you see that are on the roadmap that you would be interested in? I think one that probably goes under the radar is Palantir, uh, which is co-founded by Peter Thiel, who helped start, you know, uh, PayPal and is a really famous venture capitalist. I think Palantir, which, well, it's not, you know, a consumer-facing company. It deals in an area of big data, which is incredibly hot right now, and it generates a lot of revenue uh, from the U.S. government. It has contracts with the CIA and uh, some other government agencies. So we'll see what happens there, and if you know the, the U.S. government would ever let it go public because of how confidential some of the information could be, um, you know, in terms of national security. So that's that's the, the company that I'm most interested to see what happens with. Thanks very much. That is the one, the only Chris Siaccia, the tech editor for TheStreet.com, joining us with some insights into the IPO market. Another IPO that's out there today, Match.com. Obviously, um, you know, swipe right is what it's all about. Uh, it's, you know, tender's a big play. But on top of that, it, it's fair to say that, you know, Match.com still has quite a business uh, on its own. So we'll watch as that one plays out today. Uh, hip to be square, you know, the... It's an interesting one because it's a transaction company that's losing a lot of money, and they haven't really shown any leverage. And at some point in time, you want to be able to show people, I, here's my path to profitability. So we'll see how long people put up with um, that lack of roadmap uh, because people are going to ultimately want it. But the IPO has done remarkably well um, out of the gate at this point in time. Now, again, with much lower expectations. As of last week, people were expecting it to price somewhere around 20 to 22, and it priced at 9. So the fact that it moves up to 14 from 9, um, you know, the day really only moved from 11 to 14 because, you know, the first trade was at about 11. So a uh, little misleading, but we'll see how that one plays out today because, uh, a lot of companies that are private right now, they don't have the roadmap to profitability. And what they're doing right now is kind of like seeing what the litmus test is out there for, you know, what people are willing to value at a $2 billion company or a $3 billion company or a $4 billion company. Federal regulators today approved a genetically engineered salmon as fit for consumption, clearing the way for the first genetically altered animal to reach American supermarkets and dinner tables. The FDA comes uh, with approval more than five years after the agency reviewers made their initial determination that fish would be safe to eat and for the environment. A pretty long delay. That's how long it takes to get approval. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Not all of those Kickstarter funds or projects work out. Europe's most successful Kickstarter project is closing its door. The Zeno Mini Drone, which raised more than $3.5 million by the time it had ended its campaign, is no more. It was a neat idea, a drone that could fit in the palm of your hand with sensors that help it automatically detect objects and follow you, along with a camera on the, uh, mounted on the front. No piloting skill was needed. The devices begun being manufactured and some early shipments were sent out, but they now they never really made it for what they were supposed to do. So, basically, the company shut their doors. Um, a lot of delays in the technology. We'll get there, but this Kickstarter fund wasn't meant to be. So, And uh, sometimes you have to be pretty good with that statement. It stinks to say out loud, but sometimes that's uh, the way it goes. Other stories of note out there. I like dividends. And... I can't lie. I like dividends. I think more people should like dividends. Not everyone likes dividends, but I think people should like dividends. Um, Dividends are a company sharing its profits with you, which in of itself sounds pretty good, right? Uh, You own a company, you get a chance to own the dividends. So... For your kids this Christmas, if you can buy them a dividend-paying stock, I think that would be great. I know you're saying, I'm already giving my kids hundreds of dollars of presents. Um, $10,000 invested at birth, compounded at 10% annually, turns into $5 million by age 65. So clearly you're not going to get give them $10,000 at birth, but have you wasted $10,000 on your kid in the last year? Probably. So... Getting in with dividends, I think um, it's a way for the company to share profits with you. And let's say you buy $10,000 or something, it continues to give you back a dividend every year. So easiest way of looking at it is Johnson & Johnson, if you buy $100 for your kid, it's going to pay your kid $3 this year. Your kid could be a brat. Your kid can be a punk. Your kid could smoke cigarettes. Your kid could steal booze from you. And Johnson & Johnson is still going to give your kid 3 bucks for that $100 that they've invested with them. Do we think Johnson Johnson's going to go out of business? They make drugs. They make medical devices. Uh, they make Band-Aids, baby shampoo. They've got top medicines out there. The dividend has been increased for 53 consecutive years. That's not too shabby. Um, so that's a company I think you can buy. Another company you can buy for the dividend is... Uh, Aqua America. It's grown through acquisition from the old Philadelphia suburban into a network of water and wastewater companies from Maine to Florida. It's in the Midwest states. They benefit from utility commissions that recognize the need for clean water and often acquires municipal water companies by offering improved efficiency. Its dividend is increased for 24 straight years. Ticker symbol is WTR. Do you think we're going to need water? Do you think people in Philadelphia and Maine and Florida are going to want you know to turn on the tap and drink? I think so. Another company that is boring, but man, is boring sexy. 
in the world of investing, boring is sexy. Dividends are sexy. Dividends are thongs. Like, woohoo! So, maybe not. Maybe they're granny panties, but granny panties, are they serve a function as well. International Paper. It's a dominant company in the area of paper and packaging, both in the U.S. and abroad. They've got $23 billion in sales. It's got a market cap of about 16.5%. It's got a dividend yield of 4%. It's raised its dividends for six straight years. There's no shame in it. AT&T. There's no shame in it. Now, you know, the fear with like an AT&T and a Verizon is what's going to happen down the road? Aren't we getting more data for less money? Aren't there companies out there who are pushing the envelope on giving more for less? Yeah. And I don't really know what that means as far as the future. You you have to watch it. You have to babysit it. You can't just say, I'm going to buy and go away. Um, all of these companies. Now, some of them, like I said, you know, uh, a water company is going to obviously have a lot more, not safety, but a lot more smoothness than, say, a telecom company. But a telecom company is going to give you more of a dividend. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, other stories of note today, obviously, jobless claims, the number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits fell last week. That's, again, pointing to a robust labor market and, again, tell you that the Federal Reserve probably can go ahead and raise rates uh, once. Once, not not 100 times, just once. Let's not, you know, get too crazy there. There's a new salmon that's genetically modified. The salmon has been fiercely opposed by consumer environmental groups, which have argued that the safety studies were inadequate and that wild salmon populations might be affected if the fish were to escape into the oceans and rivers. The Aqua Advantage salmon, as it's known, is an Atlantic salmon that has been genetically modified, so it grows to market size faster than a conventional farm salmon. It was developed by Aqua Bounty Technologies. It's still not clear how soon the salmon will reach supermarkets. It's expected you know, to take its time to grow enough of the fish. How do you feel about genetically modified crops and animals? Knowing that the planet has 7 billion people, that it's going to go to 9 billion people. Um, 800-516-1220. Best Buy reports softer sales. They're cautioning ahead of the holiday quarter. And yet, expectations are for a good holiday shopping seems to be the strongest in nearly a decade. Household net worth is at an all-time high. Holiday shopping looks to be on the path the strongest since at least 2006. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Take a break here. We'll be right back. So say what you want to know, 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 say what you want to know. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's Dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.